We've come to the end uh, of our sermon series on the book of Ruth. Uh, last Sunday, Glynis drew that to a close. So you may be wondering why, wh- what I'm going to do today. Well, a little bit more on Ruth, actually. A uh, little bit more on Ruth around the whole topic of inheritance and the whole subject of legacy. Because this woman left an incredible legacy and an incredible uh, inheritance. Uh, and that's just been kind of weighing on me these last number of weeks. And uh, then over Holy Week, we'll be uh, looking together at, 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 of course, the story of the cross before we start a new sermon series after, after Easter. So just a few verses this morning from the end of the book of Ruth, verse 18. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminabad. Aminabad fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Lord, I do pray that you would be our teacher this morning you would both encourage and strengthen and also challenge us from your word today and from the life of this incredible woman, Ruth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I've given this little talk this morning a a, a title, Ruth, Her Inheritance, or it could be Ruth, Her Legacy. I'm the eldest son of David and Kathleen McClay. We think a lot, don't we, about legacy and about inheritance. We don't talk a lot about it, but we actually think a lot more about legacy than I think we would ever maybe admit. The legacy that we might be able to pass on to our children or to our grandchildren, the legacy that we might be able to pass on to a niece or a nephew or somebody special or the, or the legacy that we might receive. Uh, years ago, I used to watch on TV uh, a, a program that was on in daytime TV, uh, the something hunters, the legacy hunters, ever, the air hunters. You ever watch that one? And I used to kind of then lie in bed at night and dream that, that I had a, a, a 25th cousin somewhere that had no other relatives except me and that I'd be rich one day. You know, you know how it is? We actually think more about legacy than we actually maybe would want to admit. Well, I'm the eldest son of David and Kathleen McClay. My grandparents were Alexander and Mary Jane McClay and David and Emily Graham. My great-grandparents, I'll not bore you, okay? But names like Johnson, names like Morrow, names like Dinsmore fall into that uh, line of uh, forefathers back there. I've got three children, and uh, one day I'll leave them all my debts, probably. Uh, You know, we think about legacy. We think about inheritance. We want, and rightly want, to make sure that our kids get a, a decent education, that they'll learn habits that will stick with them and values that will be good for them in life. We would love to be able to help them financially whenever they're struggling around finances or mortgages or whatever it happens to be. 
legacy. It, it actually does matter. Inheritance, it, it does matter. Ruth, this woman that we've been looking at over these past weeks, she has an incredible legacy that you and I actually are beneficiaries from. She's one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's one of the earthly ancestors of Jesus. We're told in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And of course, King David was the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, an awful lot hung in the balance each time that Ruth made a choice or made a decision. When Ruth, for example, decided that she would leave Moab, the land of her birth, that she would go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to Bethlehem, that she would forsake the gods of her youth to follow Yahweh, the one true God, it was a, a decision that would have an incredible significance, not just for Ruth, but actually for generations that would come after her. So much hung in the balance by way of inheritance whenever Ruth made that decision. We read in verse 16 of chapter 1, when Ruth is deciding to go with Naomi back to Bethlehem, she replied, don't urge me to leave you, Naomi, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. We're familiar with her life story over these past weeks. She'd been married to a man called Mathan. She is described uh, as Ruth the Moabites, Mathlin's widow. Mathlin, her husband, he was the eldest son of a man called Elimelech and Naomi. Elimelech and Naomi were Israelites, but during a time of famine, they left their homeland, they left Israel, and they went to live in Moab where there was more by way of provision and more by way of food. Uh, and there they provided for their two sons. And there their two sons met young women and, and married them from, from Moab. But Amimelech died. And shortly after his death, his two sons, including Mathan, also died, leaving Ruth, uh, a, a young woman uh, as a widow, uh, a Moabites, a, a young widow in Moab with a, a mother-in-law who was from Bethlehem, a mother-in-law called Naomi. Naomi decides to return to her homeland, to Israel, and Ruth decides to leave Moab, her homeland, and return to Israel with Naomi. Not only does Ruth adopt her mother-in-law's uh, homeland, but she begins to believe in and trust and follow Naomi's God. We read these words. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. 
Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so seriously if anything but death separates you and me. For Ruth, she's positioning herself. She's making a decision here. She's making a choice that's going to determine the place where she lives. It's going to determine the people that she lives with. It's going to determine the very purpose that she gives her life to. She's choosing to move from her homeland to Israel. And she's choosing to follow the one true God, the God of Israel. That choice would lead to so, so much by way of blessing for her, but also blessing for her children and grandchildren and the generations that would come after her, including you and me in this church this morning. You see, the choices that we make impact more people than us. The choices that you and I make really do affect people around us more than we care to believe. People are often watching and looking and observing and the decisions and the choices that we make about, about our lives really do impact others. The choices that we make impact the generations that will come after us, the generations that will follow. You know, the decisions that some of you are currently making will impact people that are yet unborn. That's the reality of it. It's really, really important. Really, really important. The choices and the decisions that we make. We learn that. We see that time and time again in this story of Ruth. On her return to Bethlehem, she's needing to provide food for herself and food for her mother-in-law, who's an older lady. And so she begins to glean in a field. Gleaning was a practice of going around the edges of the field and gathering what, what grain the reapers had left behind. It was the custom to leave behind uh, some grain that those that were poor and those that were destitute could go into the fields and gather in. Well, she goes into the field of a man called Boaz. And she falls later in love with him and he falls in love with her. Again, that choice would lead to, to blessing. That, just that simple choice of going into that field would actually alter the whole direction of her life and indeed would alter the, the course of human history. So you see here in this whole mix, Naomi's choices and Ruth's choices and Boaz's choices and the other relative who decided that he couldn't marry Ruth or didn't want to marry Ruth. All of those choices together become a, a choices that lead to a shared inheritance where they pass on something really quite wonderful by way of salvation for the whole world because they're going to become the ancestors, the human, the earthly ancestors of Jesus Christ who is also God's son. So you've got an inheritance, really, really important. The decisions that you make and that I make, the choices that we make, we need to make with care, we need to make with prayer. The choices that we make, we need to make with the end in mind and with others in view. 
We need to make those choices not just in a selfish way where those choices are made just about us, but actually there's a much, much bigger picture. And every choice in many ways that you and I make impacts others, impacts people to our right and to our left, impacts people that are family and that are not family, impacts people that we know and people that we don't know, impacts people that are currently born and those not yet born. Our choices are really, really significant. Make them wisely, make them prayerfully, make them with godly intent, make them with the glory of Jesus, your chief goal and your chief purpose. A church also has an inheritance as a, as a gathered people. This church was planted here in the year 1872 out of the parishes of Knockbreda and Ballymacarrat. They somehow agreed to carve out streets, John. They might have given you a few more or a few less. But they carved out streets and that, those streets became the parish of, of, of Willowfield. But you know, there's a, a much greater inheritance than, than even that. There's the inheritance that goes back actually right back to God's plan of salvation. An inheritance that goes back to God himself sending his son into this world to die on a cross in my place and in your place. An inheritance that goes back to Jesus being raised from the dead as we will celebrate on Easter Day. An inheritance that goes back to the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church. An inheritance that goes right back to Naomi and Boaz and Ruth and indeed even beyond them. An inheritance that goes back to the very heart of God and the mind of God in eternity. And what we do with all that God has done for us has incredible, incredible significance for us for where we're going to be eternally and where we're going to spend eternity, but also how our choices will impact others. So the choices that you make about where you live are important. The choices you and I make about where we work, about what we do with our time, how we spend our money, what we do in relation to faith and God and Jesus, these are big choices. Big, big choices that have greater significance than I think any of us really want to believe, actually. And they need to be made with great wisdom and led and guided by God's Spirit. This has been weighing kind of heavy on me this last few weeks and I it's led to a number of questions that I just want to put before us. The answers are obvious, but maybe not as obvious as we actually know in our hearts. We know the obvious answer in our head, but has that six-inch drop happened that it's real in our hearts? Do we consider what has been passed on to us worth passing on? when there's an event like just one or the opportunity to 
invite others to something, does it matter that much to us? Do we consider that what has been passed on to us is worth passing on? Do we really believe that without Christ, people don't go to heaven? Do we really believe that Jesus had to die on a cross and that I will go to heaven not because of anything, anything that David McClay has ever done, but only because of what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross and did for you on the cross when he died and paid the price and took the punishment for my sin and for my wrong and for your sin and for your wrong and when he was raised to life again the third day and defeated death forever? Do we really believe that without Christ people are lost but with Christ People spend eternity with him in heaven. Do we believe that it's our responsibility to pass on the gospel, that good news, that story of the cross, to family, to friends, to the generations coming after us? Do we really believe that, that it's our responsibility to make sure that the generations coming after us will have had the opportunity to believe? Do we believe that Jesus heals so that when our friends and our friends' children and our children and our nieces and our nephews face trauma and face struggle in their future, that actually they can look to the Lord for strength and for help and for grace? Do we really believe that? Do we believe that Jesus forgives, that we've been forgiven? that we, when we give our lives to Christ, are forgiven. And that forgiveness is part of the gospel. Or do we carry grudges in a way that they're passed on to the next generations and they're bigger in the next generation than they were in our generation? And they go down the generations and they become bigger and bigger and bigger and we pass on hurt and unforgiveness. Do we really believe in forgiveness? Do we really believe that broken pieces are put together again by the Lord Jesus Christ? That the cycle of brokenness and pain and despair and mess that is often part of life, the twistedness that's part of who we have been, do we really believe that we can be changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? And that that doesn't need to be handed down from generation to generation so that they're more twisted even than we were? Do we really believe these things? Genealogies in the Bible are important because they answer all of those questions for us. And they emphasize our part in what comes after us in the generations that follow. The Lord blessed Ruth for her decision to make God her God and to forsake the false gods of Moab and her ancestors and to trust in the God of Naomi. Big choice, a big decision. God redeemed her years of widowhood and her years of childlessness and her years just of scrimping and trying to 
cut out a living by going around the hedges gathering some grain. He redeemed all of those years and he gave her a future because she chose to live for him and to live sacrificially for him and to give her life to him. Friends, we can give our lives to Christ. We can know the forgiveness of Christ by asking for forgiveness and by being sorry for our sin and our wrong. We can believe that Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross and that he rose again to give us life everlasting. And that is all because of what he has done that we can live and live eternally. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to him for dress. Helpless, look to him for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. We can have an inheritance that God literally downloads into our lives and as his followers we can choose to pass on an inheritance that's of worth and that's of value and that's really really important that's of real real significance you see we live and we're placed on this earth with the purpose we're told in 1 Peter our evening passages that we're here to offer God our worship Verse 5 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, you also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. So we're there to give God our worship, to give God ourselves, to live our lives for God. That's why we're here. And we're here to make him known that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And all of us and each of us have the opportunity to live lives of significance and lives that make a difference and to pass on an inheritance, an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, that's kept in heaven for those who love and follow Jesus Christ. Time has beaten me. How can you pass on that inheritance? Well, time has beaten me, so I'm not going to go into the details of how you can pray, but you pass on that inheritance when you pray. When you pray for family, when you pray for friends, when you pray for people, you pass on an incredible inheritance. When you serve in teams and just serve and make Christ known in whatever way, in your simple way, in my simple way that we can and we, we, we try to make it easier as a church by just having stuff that you don't have to do, but you can bring people to. That even rhymes. Um, and you can pass on an inheritance by serving in teams. You can pass on an inheritance by, by actually how we use our money for kingdom purposes and for God-given purposes and for purposes that are going to have eternal and heaven-lasting significance. We all can pass on an inheritance that's of worth 
and that's of value. We've received an incredible inheritance that's of worth and that's of value. This little insignificant girl from Moab, boys, what an inheritance. What an inheritance that flows from godly choices, godly choices that were at the end of the day simply about putting God first. Let's pray.